On this episode of Theology Unplugged, we have conversations with Tad. We're going to talk about deconstructionism, deconstructing your theology, reconstructing your theology. We're going to talk about the wrestling match that Jacob had with the angel of the Lord and whether or not Jews go to heaven. Uh, all great questions. Tad is in our studio. Uh, get ready for another Theology Unplugged. I think theology is for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Theology. Theology. Unplugged. Welcome to Theology Unplugged. I'm Michael Patton, and we've got Tad in studio. Excited to talk to him, see what questions that he has. I thought I'd introduce with a little monologue, like I sometimes do. And this is about deconstructionism. Deconstructionism is basically, it sounds like a bad term, but uh, I, I, I love deconstructionism. As a matter of fact, it's the foundation for my teaching of theology. I do not teach theology outside the context of a willingness to deconstruct. That's why I have six courses that I go through. And in the very first course called Introduction of Theology, sounds like the most boring course, but it's really the most exciting in many ways. But uh, in Introduction of Theology, what I do is I teach people, encourage them, show them how necessary deconstruction is. Deconstruction is the idea of taking your faith apart and putting it back together. Really, it's just taking apart. Deconstruction can be bad because you can take your faith apart and never put it back together. That's basically you're constructing something new, an agnosticism or an atheism or something like that. Normally, there's, oh, there, there's always some type of faith we construct, but many people will deconstruct their Christian faith. And I think that is not only a good thing, but an absolutely necessary thing in our discipleship process of the mind. Uh, God tells us to love the Lord your God. Greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, and mind, all of your thinking, all of your intellect. He says, let the person not boast in his horses or in his chariots, but let the person who boasts boast in this, that he understands and knows me. God wants to be understood. And so we have to do our best in our discipleship process of questioning everything we believe. And deconstruction is basically, you have grown up your whole life maybe in the Western world. If you've grown up here since Constantine in the Western world in the fourth century, then you are, have grown up in a Christian world. And the Christian world builds itself in a certain way. At some point in your life, you need to stop and ask yourself this question. Is what I was taught really true? And you've got to be willing to change according to how it is that it deconstruction put it back together. It's it's uh it, it's based upon your ability to think through for the first really for the first time because you can't really think through outside of a deconstruction, so that you might be able to put it back together. Now that's what I do. I deconstruct so that we can put your faith back together and whenever it's built, it is yours. And so I love deconstructing. I think it's an important thing within our theology. The interesting thing I was thinking about Tad is that 
it's it's a different kind of deconstruction because he didn't grow up in the same circles, Christian circles that I did, unless you count me as part of his circle. But what I'm saying is that he wasn't he he didn't grow up and have a, a faith constructed like so many of us that he's never questioned. He had a a lack of faith, and that was I mean he lived his whole life kind of in a perpetual deconstruction or agnosticism, and so whenever he's putting his faith together, it's kind of the first time right now. And so I'm not trying to get Tad to deconstruct his Christian faith that he already had. I mean, to some degree, he was Roman Catholic. And so we have to work through a lot of that stuff. There was some construction going on, but uh, he doesn't really have the same the same Christian worldview that I'm talking about, the evangelical, the Bible church mentality type thing that you know the Bible inside and out. And that is where your worldview is constructed. So anyway, I'm going to bring Tad in and uh, ask him what he thinks about that, number one. And number two, um, uh, what questions he has. He's always got a list of questions, and we'll see what those questions are, see if he wants to talk about this more. Before we get Tad in here, make sure that you subscribe. Make sure that you go to my Patreon page. Go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash C. Michael Patton. Everything I have is forward slash C. Michael Patton. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, wherever you go, see Michael Patton and you'll find me. But that's where you support us is at Patreon. You can go to credocourses.com. I don't want to mix too many things up, but credocourses.com and make a donation straight there or buy the products. We've got plenty of products. So let me introduce Tad. Tad, welcome, hey. welcome hey, man. my friend. How are you? Hey, you're coming through really well now. Oh, good, good, good. Uh, yeah, I don't know what changed. I don't either. I mean, maybe it's, let's just blame it on me and move on. All right. What do you uh, want to talk about? You, you, you had something you want to talk about, maybe a preamble to whatever well, else. First of all, I'm going to talk about this hat you have. How do I get one? Can I have one of those? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Wait a minute. Can I have one? Look at that. I don't know. It's 21 pounds. Does it say pounds on your end? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. what. It is. It's about $21. So that's about right. Okay. Well, I don't have any pounds. Well, any, uh, you just put put your phone up there, take a picture, not take a picture, but you put your camera up to it. It'll give you a website. You go to that website and there's where you'll find it. You'll uh, be able to get it in your own denomination, your own currency. Um, but anyway. I like the whole, I mean, I like it's, it's uh, and I'm just, I'm not, you know, I just like it. I like the style of it. I like how, uh, I think it's cool. Like, well, these I really want to wear one. And you know how many. I wear ball caps all the time. These oh. are the kind of caps you and I grew up with. Now, if it yeah. was if it was somebody today, it would look like this. No, no, I'm out. It's just, is that is just ridiculous, isn't it? I'm out. Yeah, I'm out. <laughs> it's called a trucker hat. I do have the other kind of hats on there, just in case you want to look like this. I mean, I don't know why you would, but they're there. They're available. Beanies as well. No, I just like the whole. It kind of looks like is it kind of ripped up or torn? It's it is. It is. It looks like uh, Wolverine got to it. Yeah. No, that's that's uh, that's that's really kick ass. Got they make their little tears right there. You know, somebody uh, somebody grabs the hat after it's made, and his job is to make a little tear somewhere. I guess I don't know. Got your logo on it. That does Credo House. Credo House is our main ministry. I mean, that's uh, a yeah. Can I uh, different colors or anything? Uh, yeah, there, there are. There's blue, there's blue and black. These are the only two in this style. Blue and black, and there's yeah. something like that. 
Blue get Walmart. it. Get it. Get it. All right. So, <laughs> okay. Theology. Yeah. I just didn't, uh, I really, I've only seen you at once and I've been thinking about it since I saw it last time. So this, um, I really wasn't expecting to hear your, uh, you call it a monologue or a dialogue, whatever. Deconstruction. Why don't you call it reconstruction? Why do, why do I call it reconstruction? No, you call it deconstruction. I'm just curious why not reconstruction? Because to me, that sounds like you're reconstructing your faith. Yeah, may, hey, hey, it may be better to call it that because at least reconstruction implies deconstruction. So you're probably right. It's just, here's the deal. I'm trying to, we're trying to get to the right place. And I don't want to assume whenever I start with education, whenever I'm starting to teach people, I don't want to say, I'm going to lead you to this place because I want your construction to look like mine. Here's what I'm leading you to is learning on your own and going on with the evidence, whatever the evidence says, that's what we go with. And so therefore you may not reconstruct. Let me give you an example, Tad. Okay. Somebody goes through, somebody deconstructs their faith and they question everything. They say, I don't know whether I grew up and what I believed is true or not anymore. And so they begin to look and try to find what is true about God, about life, about morals, about man, about existence, about future, everything, all the major questions. And then they come to the conclusion, we can't really know anything. And there are lots of people out there like that. Uh, even in the Eastern Orthodox Church, you have them them that are, they're very timid about saying too much about God or theology. It's called, it's called um, uh, apophatic theology, theology of negation. We stay away from defining God too much. He's infinite. We're finite. Even our words will misunderstand, will misconstrue will misrepresent God because our words are small. If we call him love, that's crazy because he's so much more. We don't know much about theology. That's kind of a that's kind of a mid-range I don't know. But here's what I do know, but I don't know most of this other stuff. And so I don't want to lead people to the assumption that that you're not you, you're not going to build your own faith. You're going to look like mine. So reconstruction uh, would be fine. I, I understand what you're saying, but that's the reason why it's deconstruction is because you may stay deconstructed because you stay an agnostic. You, you at the end say, I don't think we can know. Well, what would you call, you know, uh, I've, you know, and I, I think we talked about this on, I don't know if it was just you and I talking or if this was on one of our podcasts, but the waves kind of that I've gone through, where I'll believe and then I kind of fade off a little while. And what I'm trying to do now, not trying, I'm committed. I mean, I don't have, I'm, I'm just so committed, but I, I'm in a happy place and believing at the same time. Usually I'll believe, you know, when things are all bad. Yeah. So it's interesting to me, but um, well, it's interesting that you say you believe whenever all things are all bad. I mean, that's that could be the opposite too for some people, you know. And if some people do like you believe whenever it gets bad, but some people quit believing whenever it gets bad. Well, I get mad at him. I get mad. You're at him. unique. You're unique, and I think you you represent the way in which God works more often than other times. Just like the last question you asked me last time about Peter and whether or not God lets us go through sin in order to build our character. And that was really good. And that's, that's basically what, you know, another way of God 
the way that God uses your pain whenever everything's bad and you go to him. That's how he calls us many times. Is to, he, he pushes us away from ourself, away from self-confidence, away from our pride. Pride's the worst sin there is. Humility is the greatest virtue there is. If you start with that and understand the distinction and just kind of ponder on that, that if, if I'm right, which I think I am, I think humility is the greatest characteristic that God can grow within you, and he will make that happen. And that is you responding in bad times, coming to him saying, I'm helpless. And that is what he wants. He wants us to draw closer to him, and he uses our our failures, our, our pain, our uh, lack of anything so that we come to him for everything. But, but you what... And don't please don't take this the wrong way. Okay. You leave out the word. You'll take pride and you'll say whatever, but you you leave out dignity. And dignity is such a big deal. It's little literally why I'm still alive right now. Uh, is because I lost all pride. I lost all. I mean, I, I, I've been humbled as much as anybody else. You know, everybody's been humbled their own way. It's all relative. But I had to convince myself one night um, that don't lose your dignity. And you leave that out on some things. And I don't know if it's because you're, it's just so easy for you to have dignity. But sometimes I lost it. You know what I mean? And if it wasn't for you, I probably, um, well, who knows? But, uh, So anyway, moving on. No, 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 no. I don't want to move on because because I want to say something about that, which is which is really good. Once again, I mean, what you're bringing up is something that, and you're right. I fail to say it a lot of times. I mean, I've I've got a class called Humanity and Sin where we talk about this a lot, but it's but it's something that while I'm sitting here talking about humility, being broken, being hurt so that you come to God, you know, the, the, the Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want his rod and his staff protect me. His rod is what breaks our legs. You know, the, that's what it breaks the legs of sheep in order to make them become more obedient, which is really interesting. But at the same time, you're right that this doesn't, this is not something that he does in order to divest humanity or whoever he is working with of their dignity it is to be able to bring them true dignity to themselves as representatives of god because that's the only way we really have dignity in the end and the bible i mean whenever whenever god created humans and after he said everything was good there's an emphasis in genesis where it he creates a man and he says this is very good and we did while we turned it while Adam sinned and broke our broke our righteousness. He did not break our dignity. It's just hard for us to find now. We usually attempt in our sin to find dignity in ourselves and what we have accomplished. And God doesn't want us to do that whenever it's outside of Him. Because not not because He's selfish, not because He's egotistical not because he's a he's a a, a self-absorbed maniac 
that's what it sounds like sometimes, but you got to understand God is trying to lead us to the best place for us. The very best place is to understand who we are with him. He knows outside of that, we are unhappy, we are unfulfilled, and ultimately it is without purpose. Is there another word for dignity? Um, probably. I mean, I figured you'd know it if anybody, but uh, no, dignity is what I use. It's a, it's a it, good it, one, it's, and it's the hardest thing when you're going through. God, this is not even at all what I thought we were going to talk about. But when you're going through a serious um, depression phase, and and everything just seems like it's just going all bad, it's the hardest thing to find, and, it, and it's so personal. You know, it's like the most personal thing that I, I truly think that we have in our mind is is to find something to hold on to and it's um it's i uh thank god for it otherwise uh it's it's you you've got to swim pretty deep to find it and separate it from from pride and humility and everything else but once you do man it's life-changing you're just gonna realize look i'm I still have my dignity, you know, no matter what, you can take everything else you want from me, but you can't take away my dignity, you know? And so that's, um, and then I have a couple other questions. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, I agree completely with you completely with you. And I don't think you're in any sense speaking against what God wants for us. I mean, even, even after the fall, even with unbelievers, even people who hate God, have great dignity because they are still in his image. So much so whenever James is talking about this, this is the New Testament, and it's towards the end of the New Testament, just a little small letter, uh, James, the brother of Jesus. Uh, whenever he's talking about this, he talks about us cursing another man. And basically what that means is, I mean, today we don't have the same type of curses. We don't pronounce curses upon somebody. But it, it, be, it came to mean just kind of talking down to somebody talking in an irreverent way. Uh, and, and maybe another word for dignity is reverence. We have reverence for humanity because we are created in, in God's image. We are his icons. I mean, we really actually represent him. I can't tell you exactly how. I can give you some of the five points that I believe make up dignity, including reason, self-awareness, um, uh, the, the the desire to aspire to something more, all these things we've talked about before that animals don't have. But listen to this. He said, James is talking about cursing another man. And he says, um, who are you to curse another man who has been made in the likeness of God? From the same mouth comes both blessings and cursings. And basically what James is saying is, be careful with everybody because everybody is an icon of God. Whether they love God or not, they're still icons of God and therefore deserve respect. So I don't know if that helps anyway. It, it does. It, it reminds me. I'm going to tell, can I tell a quick story about you? Of course. And me? Maybe. I might we were in, uh, man, I feel like it was in like Tempe, Arizona or something. And you were on a Bono kick that night. When am and, I not on a Bono kick? Well, this was an extra Bono kick. Because you stood up on a chair. And you started <laughs> reciting the whole Sunday body, you know, like. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, the, the uh, rattle and hum. Rattle and hum. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, 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 
Yeah, talk- and, and you, you went through the whole thing, and I, it was just you and I sitting there, and I'm like going with you. I'm like, look, whatever he wants to do, he's going to do it. I'm, I'm going to sit here and back him up. People love to talk about the revolution, the revolution <laughs> back home. Yeah. And then he yeah. goes, F the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> That's what you just kind of reminded me. Oh, I, 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 I love that. I love that part in there. It's you were you were standing. You were literally standing on a chair in a bar. Yeah, I know you have told me this story many times. I do not remember it. I was like, to... I do not remember it. I was too drunk, but it is characteristic of no, me. So I will. I will assume that that happened. <laughs> yeah. you all of you all who are listening, remember, I still have dignity. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and we'll talk about Desperado next time. Okay. But, uh, um. So I want to, this could very likely be the last podcast we ever have that anybody watches. So um, <clears throat> well, I'm going to start out with this. And, 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 and you know, okay, there's, I don't even know how to start this. Divorce is tough for everybody, men and women. And especially when you have kids. And tell me if this isn't even the right place to talk about this. I mean, you and I have talked about this. You know what? I even joined a, a, a support group because I didn't know how to get out of it because I was a good dad. You know, I was a dad that did everything. And I think there's a ton of great dads out there. And when you have someone that's holding your kids back from you because of divorce or because of loss or because of this and that, you really go through a phase of nobody gives a shit because you're a man, you know? Yeah. And, um, and I, it, dude, it was, it was the hardest six years of my life. I think, you know, I just yeah. lost my company had 117 reps on a medical company and, um, seven States and made millions and lost millions. I can teach you how to do both of those. I can tell you which one I like better, <laughs> but, uh, I lost my kids. And that was probably the hard, but only because their mom was like, your dad's a loser. Your dad's a failure. He's an embarrassment to society. He's all this kind of stuff. And you went through this with me. Thank God. Thank God. But, uh, there's a lot of men out there, Michael, that I don't know if you know that because you, you would, I mean, how could you know? I mean, other than just hearing about it that I feel for, and I want, is there, and I got a buddy going through it right now. And I talked to him four times a week and it's, it has nothing to do with money on his side. It's got more to do with just his wife being kind of toxic. And I'm not saying men aren't toxic either. Yeah. I'm just saying on some cases there are, and, 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 it's, and it's more than I think people are aware of. And it's none of my business. You can edit this out if you want to, but I, I don't know because how I prayed for me clearly wasn't the right prayer. And so I don't want to kind of curse him with the prayers that I was using to pray for him. And so I wanted to know if there was anything in the Bible that says anything about parenthood or, you know, I, I mean, I just don't know. And, and if this is in the right place, just we can edit this out. No, no. I mean, the, yeah, the, the entire book of Proverbs is really about parenthood. It's about, I mean, Proverbs is, 
is a is the, is a unique book in the Bible. There's nothing really else exactly like it. There are proverbs and other books, but proverbs is just a group of proverbs, which are basically uh, general statements of truth that don't necessarily apply in every circumstances. They're not promises. They're just you know, if you work hard, you will uh, succeed. If you do not, if you're lazy, you will go into ruin. Those types of things. Of course, there's people who work hard, don't succeed, and there's people who are lazy who uh, do inherit millions or whatever, or do win lotteries. It's just a general statement's truth, but it's all written to a son. It's so that the king, King Solomon, to his son and trying to get his son to be able to live right. Now, if you're talking about parenthood, that's a good place to start is, is understanding Proverbs and going through Proverbs. But I think what you're talking about, maybe a, maybe a little bit different. And it's, I, I think it's probably something that is very pastoral. Means- it's very specific too. And, and I think that's why, you know, it's, it's, it's a very specific, it's about men. It's about, yeah. you know, and yeah, it's probably too specific, maybe for the Bible. But I, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, I and I even I, I think, yeah, I even put you uh, on a conference call with the guy that started the, the place that I was listening to the hundred K fathers. Well, you know, they're they're based on trying to be good fathers. I mean, the Bible obviously <laughs> talks about this and, okay, you know, right. talks about it in Ephesians, talks about it in Proverbs, talks about, you know, examples of fatherhood throughout the Bible. Now, uh, does the Bible talk about specifically the pain that you go through whenever something like that happens, whenever you have been misrepresented or lost your kids or actually done stuff that you're not misrepresented, you have, you've done stuff that's wrong and you've lost them. Those types of situations are in principle certainly represented in the Bible, but in the end, what you have to come to is the struggle itself, the wrestling match that you have itself which you have gone through and is part of who you are. And back to what we talked about before, it makes you, if if you take it in the right direction, makes you a better person. And God is using that. Now, everybody has their individual circumstance. Everybody has the individual reasons. Everybody has, you know, all this baggage that comes with the loss of children and the loss of their marriage that is very individual to them. But, uh, I mean, and you can't really... They say, okay, God, what is it I'm supposed to do in this very circumstance, this very issue that's so specific? You can just look to him and see the general principles that you attempt the best you can to walk in. And we trip and mess up so often, even in those times, whenever we're trying hard to follow him. But it's part of his will. It's part of what he's guiding us in. And we understand the providence of God has brought you through with your kids. And I would, th- I think, I think you would probably say things are getting better there. It, it goes back and forth. I mean, it's, man, it's like, it's like looking at a deer, you know, I got to be so careful with them. If I do one certain thing, I mean, I was talking to my son and then all of a sudden it goes away. And I'm like, what do you, I mean, come on, man. And, and they're, they're like, these aren't kids anymore. I mean, they're 23 and 21, yeah. you know, but yeah. 16 and 14, when um, I decided it was a better idea for me to go because I thought the relationship was just toxic and they never saw us fighting. They never saw their mom and I fight ever. Cause we didn't, yeah. it was just, it, just a distance. You know, I was, I felt like I was the one taking all the sports and I, I felt like I was just alone all the time doing everything. 
Yeah. And uh, which I enjoyed. I mean, I wouldn't change it for a minute, but I'm like, I mean, I want to partner in this deal, you know? Yeah. And, I, and I've got a true teammate right now and a true partner right now named Rhonda. And <clears throat> can I, can I ask you another question on about this, but something that I think is um, going to be all bad. Sure. Um, well, Rhonda and I talked, I, I texted you some stuff last night and then she gets on uh, her phone because I'm asking her Bible things because what this is doing for me is uh, it's it's truly changing me and it's making me close. It's making us closer, Rhonda and I. And I think it's making. I mean, you and I couldn't get any closer, so it doesn't matter. But um, but just closer to like God. Like I'm, I'm truly like I think the first time that I went through this phase with you. I didn't really dive deep in, like really study, you know? Yeah. And then you scared me off when you thought I was right there. And then you wanted to me, um, I know exactly where I was on the highway. I was on 169 in Tulsa, Oklahoma, right off 71st. What, baptism? And you said, and you said, baptize. You're going to get baptized. Scared the shit out of me. I'm like, nah. <laughs> yeah, I'm out. I'm out. It's too much, huh? It's too <laughs> But then a couple of years ago, I'm asking to get baptized at your house, you know? Yeah. So I go through these different things, but right now I feel like I'm closer. Like I feel like I'm more knowledgeable than I've ever been. And it's because of these conversations you and I have, and it's because Rhonda and it's, um, I do talk about her a lot, but dude, she's a big deal to me. You know yeah. what I mean? And I've never been around anything like this. So I like it or like person like this, not a thing, but, uh, well, you're, you're, you're constructing your faith. I mean, you are. And I, I would say from the standpoint of what I believe and what I understand and what the Bible says, this, this only comes from God. You only begin to, to construct, get excited, be enlightened and, you know, really love it. I, I mean, you, I mean, I'm, I'm obsessed. I know I'm, you yeah. are, you are. I mean, it's like every question I've ever asked, you're coming up with in two days, you know, it's just on and on you go. And I think, I think you, I can't, I can't explain this outside of the Holy Spirit working in your life. I can't because that in my worldview, the way I understand it, I think I can justify that worldview very much, but in that worldview outside of God, you cannot do what you are doing. Romans chapter three says um, that we, the, the natural man, the person who is without God is is uh is corrupt from head to toe there's nothing that comes out of us that is good everything is corrupt um and this outside of god you can't do what you're doing and so uh, whenever i watch you whenever i see this going on the reason why we have this going on here is because i see something happening and i think it's important that other people see it in progress i think he was just waiting to see if i was going to hang on you know what i mean i mean i really do but uh <clears throat> and probably a lot of our audience would say that that is the life that they have lived too is i mean we've all we've all just been hanging on sometimes to our faith very few people are honest and come and say <laughs> i am i am completely satisfied in my faith and where i'm at we're all wrestling with them he i mean look, look at this story with jacob um 
whenever uh, you know he changed his name to Israel, he came to him at night in the form of an angel. Uh, it was probably Jesus that came, pre-incarnate Jesus, which means before he got a body and came here on earth. So this is Old Testament. But it says the angel of the Lord came to him. The angel of the Lord, whenever you see that, usually means pre-incarnate Jesus. Probably. But uh, anyway, whatever, whoever it was, uh, you know, this angel comes to him and begins to wrestle with him. And he wrestles with him all night, it says, all night long. And I mean, I'm like, who is this guy? I think he is number one, wrestling God. And how is he able to withstand? I mean, why doesn't God just get him in a quick headlock and put him out or something? I don't, I don't know how the wrestling match went, but I think it's very symbolic of what we have with God. And in the end, the angel said, and I don't know why, I can't tell you why. The angel said, let me go for the sun is coming up. And Jacob said, I am not going to let you go unless you bless me. And I think that is an absolutely beautiful way to represent, understand you right now with God, you how you've been the last few years with God. I mean, I talk to you every day almost, and every day it's the same thing. I feel like you're saying that just like Jacob. I am not letting you go until you bless me. I and said I think, that every day to you. Do huh? You, I mean, even the Mississippi. I said oh, every I know. day I know. to you. I was like, Michael, I'm not. I want to see how this plays out. That's all I kept saying. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You said so many poignant things right there that just like triggered me. All right. You weren't finished, though. I'm sorry. No, it's just one more thing. At the very end, he said, I, I, I won't let you go unless you bless me. And then he, the angel touched his thigh and displaced his thigh. And for the rest of his life, he walked with a limp, representing that wrestling match he went through with God. And it's another beautiful illustration of the limps we all have as we walk through life. We carry lots of scars. You're talking about your fatherhood and all those scars you went through. There's so many scars we could talk about about you, and I know them all. And you know all my scars. And the, the, the thing is, he walked with a limp. He didn't, you, you can't hide a limp, you know, you, you're just going to walk everywhere and everybody's going to notice it. And everybody's going to say, Hey, what happened? You can't hide it. You can't say nothing. You know, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. And so what it, what it is, is that we as Christians go through and we don't go through wrestling matches with God. We go through pain and we get our hips displaced. The difference is some people hide it and act like it didn't happen because it's like a, I want to be a perfect Christian. I don't want to act like I have any problems or issues or or past that is broken. Uh, I'm trying to put on this veneer, this mask whenever I go to church and look churchy, look Christiany. And that's the last thing we should do. We should all walk with our limp. And uh, that should be part of the discipleship process is having courage to walk with your limp. And I think, uh, <clears throat> wow. Yeah, I, I didn't see that coming. That's um, so. There's a metaphor for limp, in a lot of things. There's, um, I think, empathy. There's appreciation for everyone, and there's sympathy for people that maybe you see their limp on a on a corner, or maybe you just assume, not assume. No, everyone's got their own limp. It's just, there's a mental limp and there's a physical limp, but everybody has a limp. 
So that's the point of just being nice. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, and, 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 and great of, metaphor, man. Oh, wow. Think of it this way. Some people, you know, you're looking, you just said everybody has one. You're looking yeah. at somebody and they act like they don't have one. At that point, you know they do. And the thing is, what, what, what's your responsibility at that point, except for to represent your own limp with, with, I, I you know, your problems, your past, your, your failures, the hurts, the pains, all of these things with courage in the sense that you know that it was God who did it, God who is with you, God has a purpose. And therefore, whenever you represent your own limp, whenever you don't hide it, um, other people begin to not hide it and be more real. Because what what good is life if you have to live an untrue life that you are misrepresenting yourself? You're hiding parts of yourself to the world because you're scared they'll see your limp. And I, I think it's tragic. And I think that's part of not uh, whenever you don't live in the image of God, whenever you're not following God, you are in hiding. You are trying to represent yourself a certain way. How will the world look at me? Do I, do you think they'll think I'm successful and good at things? And, you know, we, again, it's all pride, right? We want people. No, to that's a different word than pride. That's called sincerity. When you meet somebody. No, no, I'm talking about I'm talking about whenever they misrepresent themselves in oh. order to impress you. Okay, 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 okay. All right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's ego, but um, it's just what it's just authentic. Uh, all, yeah, no, authenticity. I, 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 dude, I'm learning so much from you right now. You have no idea. Uh, I'm about to offend a lot of people. Go ahead. Offend away. Did Jews go to heaven? Did Jews go to heaven? They killed Jesus. Yeah. Um, I mean, certain Jews killed Jesus. It was in. It was. They in don't believe that Jesus died on the. Uh, he was a disciple. I mean, looked this up last night. They didn't believe that he was a. Uh, um, what? What? What am I saying? The Messiah. Like, the Messiah. Yeah, and so does that give them like? Do they have some kind of? gateway like a side door to get into heaven or do they just i mean i don't and this is i'm sorry to whoever but i i just don't know the answer because it it seems like it's contradictory to what i'm what i believe in and and but it's okay i mean they're they're, they're gonna do their things and we got mormons and we've got i talked about mormons today with this fellow that i met that was amazing and um <laughs> got a whole thing uh, that I'm going to cancel. Is that, should I not have said that, Michael? I'm sorry. No. no this is your, this is your deal, man. I don't know. It, it's really funny you act uh, embarrassed for saying that, but I mean, it's really a good because question. Because I don't know, and I think well, no, 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 it's, it's not a bad question, Tad. I promise, and it's not offensive, at least in my audience. I, I, uh, maybe you're talking about offending in such a, maybe in a cultural anti-Semitic way, but nobody's going to take it that way at all. I, okay. I know that. Well, I just, I feel like everybody else knows these answers but me, and, I, and sometimes I forget that we're even, I feel like it's just you and I talking. Yeah, no, that's good. That's what I want it to be, though. But just you and I talking. Yeah, people, people fly on the wall. They maybe listen, and maybe not. Um, uh, when whenever you say, "Do Jews go to heaven?" Jews, that's a nationality, right? Uh, they're sons of Abraham, sons of Isaac, sons sons of Jacob. The it's uh, a nationality. It's not a religion. 
it, it no no it's not necessarily a religion it's all a, you can be a, re, a religious jew you can be a reformed jew you can be a, a jew of you know there's different variations but in the end the nationality the blood type the uh the identity that you have there has nothing to do with going to heaven uh, yes the jews are the ones who rejected christ but yes the jews are also the 12 apostles they are also <laughs> jesus christ himself jesus. was a jew yeah, yeah. And so it, it, it just because they were in that time and the Jews were responsible for carrying the gospel that God had given he he gave it through Abraham and you know built on it and you know promised Abraham it's called the Abrahamic covenant in Genesis chapter 12 where he said listen I'm going to I'm going to restore things through you that's basically what he said and your children and then one day you you will have a king come from you that will rule over Israel and eventually rule the world, and that's who we know to be Jesus Christ. So they were carriers of the good news of God, and yes, in general, they they rejected him at the cross and asked Pilate and the Romans to have him crucified. That was the Jewish leadership, but there were a lot, a lot of Jews who trusted him and believed in him. The apostles. There's a lot of blue Jews ever since. I, I think I've seen, I've seen a study once before, and I used to think, you know, very, very few Jews become Christians compared to Gentiles, and they just break the world up into either Jews or Gentiles for at least our conversation right now. Um, and I think the percentage is very close. The percentage of Jews who actually believe in Jesus compared to the actual percentage of non-Jews who believe in Jesus. And so really the question is, do people go to heaven? And I say, only if they trust in Christ. And then if you say, what about Jews? I say, if they trust in Christ. So you can definitely be a Jew and be a Christian. There are lots of them. Some of, some of them are Messianic Jews. Uh, there, there's different types, but um, it has nothing to do with being Jewish or not, whether you get into heaven. Christ himself told the Pharisees who thought they did think that just because they were Jewish, they got automatic residency in the afterlife with God. They were going to Abraham's bosom. And he said, I can turn a, this rock into a Jew and it's, it's not going to be anything special. Um, there, there, he basically, he was saying there's nothing about being a Jew that guarantees anything, quit relying upon it. It's trusting in me and that's it. Okay. And that kind of leads me to this question. I'm okay. sorry. No, uh, keep on apologizing though. I'm, I'm glad you are. Well, because I feel like everybody else knows this shit, but me. No, uh, the, the, did the, Jesus that, ever call himself God? Yes, he did. Um, many times implicitly now you got to understand how he referred to himself um throughout the the development of his ministry remember he started his ministry maybe at around age 30 31 32 33 somewhere around there he started his ministry probably what age 30 it was like 27 i don't know Wasn't there's something about 27 i mean even kurt cobain like all these people jimmy hendrix all these people died at like 27 no, i thought no. Jesus probably died, and people are going to question me about this, but look it up and try to study it under Harold Honer. But um, Jesus probably died more like whenever he was 36, 37, somewhere around there. That's, that's old back then. Yeah. yeah. No, not really, because if you made it past 20, you could uh, you had a higher chance. I mean, it, it, the hardest thing was to make it 
through childhood back then. But once you did the statistics were very well that you'd make it for a while. Okay. But, um, uh, self God, huh? He called himself God. He, he did, but he did it in, in such a way that you have to understand the development of it. What he did was, uh, it's called the messianic secret. Sometimes he didn't come straight out and say, I'm starting this ministry. Hey, everybody, I am God, you know, and, uh, come to me and worship me. He, he's, he slowly began to reveal himself through the teaching and understanding of the old Testament and through his miraculous deeds. And it was a development that was slow, but it was true, uh, in the sense of, um, or, or is slow and effective by the end, whenever he was standing before, before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish leadership on trial, the day before he is crucified, he tells them, he's, he quotes himself in the book of Daniel as the man who comes in the clouds. And uh, th this, is, this is very messianic in the sense of it's a prophecy about God's coming and rescuing Israel. And he calls himself that man. And at that point, they'd already done this before, but at, at that point they're saying, why do you, a man, make yourself out to be God, crucify him? He is blasphemed. And so by the end, whenever he got crucified, it was very clear what he was saying. I am the son of God, which makes me of the same nature of God. I am not the same son of God like you are sons of God. I am the unique son of God that is worshiped. He accepts worship in the Old Testament or in the New Testament. Uh, you know, the apostles, after he calms the storm, the apostles come and fall down and worship him. He accepts it. Only God accepts worship. There's all kinds of implied ways, which he did. The biggest implied way, this is really good. The biggest implied way in which he called himself God was he himself forgave sins. Who can forgive sins but God? Because who have we offended besides God in our sin? Ultimately, all sin is an offense against him. And whenever he says to people in the New Testament, every time you see him say, your sins are forgiven, he's not acting as a Catholic priest does today. As a He's saying, I forgive you of your sins. That is a incredible statement about his deity. He is right there saying, I am God. I have the authority. I have the prerogative to forgive you of your sins. So, so, so Jesus would be, I mean, in that, in that, uh, man. Okay. So Jesus is the God of like the earth. And then God's the God of heaven. Or where does Jesus fit in in heaven with God? God, okay, you got the Trinity, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the yeah, Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody each, each one of them, where we talk about them as persons, and you're you're right in a sense. I mean, it's not really the God of the earth and the God of heaven, but I understand what you're saying because you have them fulfilling different roles. The Father did not come and become man and die on a cross for our sins. It was the Son. the The Son sends the Spirit back to us and the spirit is the one who empowers us who indwells us and so there's different roles which they all have and there there is a, really a hierarchy in their person not in their nature now this is really hard to understand Tad, and i'm not explaining it to you as if you could get my I mind i got one more question after this i know okay. 
you can get my mind and understand it because I, I don't understand it. Nobody does. Anybody who claims to understand the Trinity is, is a heretic. I already know that. I mean, you, I, I don't even have to question it, whether or not you're a heretic. If you say, I understand the Trinity, I get it. If there's an aha moment with the Trinity, you're a heretic. <laughs> and so, and so with the Trinity, is basically, we, yeah. We hold to it intention, understanding that there is one nature. They all share in the same nature. It's not one pie cut into three pieces. It's one single nature, and they all share in it. And so they are all God, but yet their persons of God are represented in the three, are actually in in three persons. They exist in three persons, and they are in fellowship as three persons. They all have different roles, and there's a hierarchy, but they're all still equal. Now, that's all I can do to you, Tad, is hand that to you and say, this is what I believe the Bible teaches, and I can't really tell you what to do with it except for maybe to do the same thing I do, is to hold it, believe it, intention, and basically say, there's a lot of things about God that are inscrutable beyond my understanding. And therefore I, I, I get to, a, I try to figure them out and then I get to a point and say, I can't figure this out. And the well, that's where faith comes in, you know, I mean, you have faith, you just get like, this guy's, this thing's happening. It's so much bigger than I even know. I mean, we only use like 10% of our brain or something. How am I supposed to know everything? And I just got to kind of trust and have faith that, this stuff really happened. I mean, yeah. there's a lot more to this universe than I'm that I know. Well, God, know? God establishes himself in really weird ways or not weird ways. I think probably, I mean, just ways that really work, but like in the old Testament, right? He expects them to walk in faith and understand and obey the law, all those kinds of things, trust in him, uh, ask for forgiveness of sins, all that kind of stuff. But he, he bases everything on that time whenever he Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt and split the Red Sea, and it was a historic event, and they were much closer to it, and it was historically known that this happened. And so they were very secure in their faith, not based upon ev individual evidence God was giving every day, but based upon him calling on them to remember the Exodus. And it, with us, it's remember the resurrection. I believe everything I just told you because I remember the resurrection. If the resurrection happened, then all of this stuff is true. And so, yes, it is faith, but at the same time, it's not faith that I'm taking that's blind faith. That's a, you know, I, I don't really, I'm not really sure. I, it's, I'm very confident in it. And the reason why I'm confident is because I'm very confident Christ rose from the dead and whatever he said is true. Even if I don't understand, you you, you just um, changed my whole philosophy on the Old Testament. By the way, good. and I know this is I good. Think good, maybe. Huh? I said good, maybe good. I don't know. Well, no, it's um, Jesus wasn't born yet, clearly, right? So God was just picking out these people that kind of just it's it wasn't like he was just throwing things around. He had his own um, agenda to say, look, you guys haven't met my son yet, but I'm going to give you guys a shot to do this and this, and here's what I need you to do. And um, uh, it, it's, it, it makes, <clears throat> I am just processing all this, so I don't know if I can probably say it articulately, but um, yeah, uh, yeah, okay, good talk.
<laughs> no, you had one more. I'm trying to figure this out, man. I'm thinking that he, okay, so I go back to his burning bush. So I go back to all this other stuff and things I believe and things I don't. But yeah. now it makes more sense to me. Like, he truly, like, like I kind of, and I don't want to say this, this is going to be blasphemous or something, I'm sure. I kind of see his plan going through now from the Old Testament through the New Testament to Revelation. And, uh, not revelations, but revelation. But I, I kind of see, like, I'm, I'm getting to see a pattern and a path. And then he was like, okay, you guys aren't doing this right. I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and let you meet the real deal. And his name is going to be Jesus. So we're, we're, we're Mary and Joseph married when they had, or they're Christians. I mean, what, were they Jews? Probably. Well, yeah, they were Jews. They weren't well, they weren't married whenever she became pregnant. Okay. Joseph was going to put her away quietly, which, uh, you know, that's what the Bible tells us. He heard she was pregnant and he thought, hey, what did she do? And he was he's actually a very honorable guy. That that one statement, there's not much about Joseph, but him saying it, saying that he was going to put her away quietly shows what a good guy he was. He was not trying to publicly humiliate her or anything like that. I feel like I've prayed to Mary more than I've prayed to God, if I'm being honest with you. You do pray to Mary more than God? I, I feel like I was, I've prayed to Mary more than God. Yeah. I mean, everything's, um, everything's about Mary. You know where where I went to school, and uh, and where I went to church. I feel yeah. like I mean, we prayed to God a lot. Heard the heard the. Well, what do you what do you say next time we start off by talking about Mary? Let's do it. Okay, that'll be good. So next time you guys join us, and we'll talk about Mary Tad. It's been great to have you again. Yeah, no, it's great to see you, man. I love you, Michael. <laughs> I love you too. I'll see you soon. Okay, bye. All right, folks. Well, thank you for joining us here on Theology Unplugged. Remember to support the stream by going here. You can just go to pay. I, I think that leads you to Patreon. It does. Patreon.com and become a member or just, you know, go to CredoCourses.com, donate. Uh, but we got all kinds of things at CredoCourses.com. And I suggest you start the theology program. I know I say this and I probably overstate it, but go to going to credocourses.com. There's so many different programs. There's so many different courses. They're all amazing from Gary Habermas to, to uh, Craig, Craig Blomberg. I mean, just the greatest courses ever made. I made them at the Credo house with these guys. So I'm, I love those courses, but at the same time, these are all intended to hook you in so that you take the theology program because the theology program is where we deconstruct the faith and build it from fresh all from the beginning. I know it's older. I know we shot it. Uh, we finished it in 2006. It has not been outdated in any sense, uh, except for whenever I'm wearing a flip phone on the side, that kind of looks funny, but Go go to there and find the theology program. Buy the platinum package. It'll include the theology program. And start going through the theology program. Start teaching it at your church. That's what it's for. It's got workbooks. It's got syllabus. It's got everything for discipleship. Let's take discipleship seriously. Let's not dumb anything down. Let's love the Lord with all our mind. Let's, let's rejoice in this, that we understand and know him. We'll see you next time. Theology 